Welcome, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Bricks and Clicks. We are super fortunate this week to be joined by Gina Al-Katan. She is actually taking some time out of studying for finals in her MBA to chat with us about Nuba, the company she founded with her mom. And Nuba, they make authentic Middle Eastern drinks supporting small-scale farmers in Egypt. Gina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's so great. Yeah. Again, you're working through finals right now, so we really appreciate your time. You're doing Could your MBA? You... You're doing your MBA at Duke? I am. I am. This is my second to last term at Duke. I'm almost done, which feels really crazy. It's been, was a whirlwind experience. They asked Curly in Durham, North Carolina, about to be done and then go on spring break, which will consist of all work, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> So I got that to look forward to, but yes, I'm very much almost done. Yeah, it's hard to tell if this is the break from work or break from <laughs> MBA is going to be the break. There is no break, except that I'm going to Coachella, which I'm very excited about. This will, that will be the break that I'm getting. <laughs> ah, will you be pouring uh, Nuba? Will you be pouring Nuba there? <laughs> yes, I'll take it with me. <laughs> I know uh, Mia, I think this year is going to Coachella, one of our folks in our office. So um, Omnium will be represented there as well. Yes, love um, it. If you could maybe give us a, a bit of a background on this drink, Nuba tea, what is it? How did you guys develop it? Where are you selling it today? And uh, yeah. what's the social impact angle as well? I know that's super important. Yeah, for sure. I was born and raised in Egypt and my family is Egyptian and we moved to Canada in 2011. And hibiscus is a really popular drink in Egypt. It's really traditional. We've had it for hundreds of years and it's really good for you as well. So when we moved to Canada, we, it's a welcome drink. We'd make it for like friends and neighbors and they really liked it, which really sparked the idea. And this was okay. This was years before hibiscus was trendy. This is like circa 2016 that we were having these conversations. Trendsetter. You're a trendsetter. Yeah. It's funny that people call it a trend, but I'm just like, okay, this is what Egyptians and Middle Easterns have been drinking for like literally hundreds of years. So that's really what's what sparked the idea. There was really nothing else on the market like it. And we knew it was really good for you. Everybody that tried it kind of liked it. And we thought, hey, why don't we bottle this and sell this? And truly had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> and that that was really the start of the journey. We started with ready to drink hibiscus. So my mom has PhD in agriculture, like a ton of food processing experience. And I was a business degree and kind of had some marketing experience as well. And we joined forces and yeah, launched it. And it's been a little bit of a wild journey since. And as Colin mentioned, social impact is really important to us. So we do a lot of work with the small farmers in Egypt. It's actually the southern region where we source all of our hibiscus flowers from. It's super premium. Like we use the whole flower. We don't use concentrates or anything like that. And that region is actually called Nuba in Arabic, hence the name. And also where my mom's family is from. So like lots of heritage and culture and yeah, just lots of significance to us. And that's why we decided to call the company Nuba. So like Nubian desert, is that the same Nuba? It is. It's the same region. Uh, yeah. It's all coming together. It's all coming together, yeah. <laughs> so you said it wasn't so easy to just throw this in a bottle and call it a day. What were some of the challenges you guys faced when you were trying to take this from your living room to the store shelves? Oh, God, like, where do I begin? 
The first bottle. The first bottle. Okay. So the yeah. first, okay. So the, what we, the first thing we did was we actually worked with George Brown College and we had the recipe that my mom had been making for decades and that's what her mom made. So they helped us like industrialize it. I'm like, okay, nutritional fact, blah, blah, blah. And I think really early on, we decided that we were not going to make this from a concentrate until this day. We do not make it from a concentrate. We freshly brew all, like all our drinks, all of our ingredients, everything's freshly brewed from the actual raw material. So when we decided that's how we wanted to do it, that kind of ruled out any co-packer because you mm. can't really show up to a co-packer with a bag of hibiscus flowers and they're like, hey, can you make this for me? So we struggled. We couldn't really find anyone. Like the production runs were huge. So it got to a point where it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to manufacture it ourselves. It's either we do it or we don't. So we took the plunge and our very first tiny facility, it was actually in downtown Oakville. It was like a makeshift storefront facility. And we like rolled in our tiny machinery. And that's where we made our very first production runs. And everything that went wrong obviously goes wrong, like explosions, small fires, just Uh, like manufacturing is really its own beast. Yeah, but that was really where we did our first production runs, grew a little bit and then moved to a larger, like a little bit more of a, I say it was just like a larger facility that was in a better industrial area. Like we had a dock, like it was great. But I think for us, like what it was super challenging because when we first started, the just the level of awareness of what hibiscus actually was was so low like nobody Mm. knew so the education curve was really steep and very hard like we do demos and people would be like hibiscus is it a flower like what does it taste like so we found ourselves doing like a lot of education and it was a struggle what are Uh, the benefits of hibiscus So hibiscus is full of antioxidants. So it actually has way more antioxidants than green tea. I think it has the highest level of antioxidants of all of the drinks. It's really good for like lowering high blood pressure. It's just good for your digestive system. It's just, I think they're doing a bunch of studies now and it's just showing more and more health benefits. Like it's just a really good for you. Nice. So you're, so you're manufacturing it. And then obviously you got to do something with the bottles you made. Where did you, where were you able to sell these early on? So early on, we started off with like our local Oakville, like grocery stores and cafes. And then we went straight to Whole Foods, which is just like really crazy in retrospect. (laughs) (laughs) For you. I know. We were like, okay, Whole Foods is the dream. We'd walk around Whole Foods. We'd be like, okay, we want to be here. And like one store? store, like you go to your one. It was the Oakville store. store. It was the yeah. Oakville store that we would go to. And there was a store manager there that just saw it. His name was Reg, saw it and believed in it and started the onboarding process. And it took us almost a year and a half to actually be onboarded. But then you're there. Then you're at Whole Foods. So that's that was a big landmark for us. I think another really big landmark was Adonis. We were at a trade show. I can't remember. It was a trade show in Toronto. And it was the very last day, the very last hour that my parents were there and they walked by our booth and were just like mind blown because the buyer and the store manager was Egyptian. So he really got it. Like he really Mm -hmm. got what we were trying to do. And they were a really great early supporter of ours. And we've been selling there ever since. And like we worked with them to introduce our flavors of the Middle East line, which is really popular in Ramadan. They were like, hey, we got this. Now give us more. So they've been a great partner. I would say that was another one of our like really big early wins. I was going to ask, in terms of 
you where you're selling now, have you broken into the U.S. market? Is it all in Canada? How is well, that? Well, funny you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually in the process of launching with our flavors of the Middle East line. So it's 750 milliliter bottles. It's hibiscus, carob, apricot, and tamarind, which yeah. are really popular during the month of Ramadan. Like people all over the Middle East drink these drinks to break their fast. Like you drink it year round, but it's just, it's sweet. It's refreshing. You're, you haven't eaten or had anything to drink all day. So it's super popular. And that's really the line that we're going to be launching in the U.S. with a Middle Eastern distributor. So we are like, we're like, I want to say very close to getting our first PO. We're trying to launch in, in, in time for Ramadan, which is like end of March. So okay. coming Ooh. soon. Wow. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's exciting. And so these are different bottle size. These are bigger bottles than your traditional originals. Yes, these are bigger flavors. bottles because, yes, they're bigger bottles. They're really meant to be enjoyed around like a dinner table with nice. other people. I think we might make them as smaller bottles. We've toyed with the idea a little bit, but for now, it's they're in large bottles. I'm really interested. You mentioned like demos and all, obviously you were selling up and down the street and then you got into Whole Foods. What was the process like? Like you get on the shelf, but you got to get it off the shelf. Did it start yes. turning immediately? How much work went into that? It was it was a lot of work. And I feel like that was a really steep learning curve. Because like I said, we had no CPG grocery experience. Like we were just That's like, amazing. hey. Like, you just walked into Whole Foods and they accepted yeah. you. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy in, in retrospect. But I think that was just like, we did a lot of store demos. But like in the beginning, like we struggled. Like it was, we were bootstrapped. We didn't have a ton of marketing budget. Like we're trying things, things are working, things weren't working. But we really, it obviously pre-COVID relied pretty heavily on demos and store demos and to get yeah. people to actually try and taste it. And we'd always were like, we tried to do the vast majority of the demos ourselves. So yeah. when you're talking as the founder of the company, like I, I feel like people really resonate with that. So yeah, that's really what we relied on. Yeah, because nobody can represent the brand as well as you exactly. and your mom can, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And so looking back on all those things, because we typically work with a lot of bigger companies. And so we often overlook how hard it is to like get people to actually buy your product. What are the things now, like if you were speaking to smaller companies going through the same thing, what were the things that worked and what were the things maybe you thought that worked that didn't work if you're giving advice? I think honestly, initially we were just like, oh, it's on the shelf. Like it's, people are going to buy it, which was so naive, so ridiculously naive. But we, you know, we kind of thought that, but then we were like, no, like we, we have so much. We just realized like the amount of education that we needed to do. I think for us, like store demos, when you're working with a flavor or a, or an ingredient or a concept that's not as widely adopted, like you can't beat the trying, like you can't beat trying this, having them try it, talk to them, talking to them about it and getting that repeat customer. I think yeah. we did quite a bit of like consumer shows as well in the early days. Just same thing, like just to encourage trial to put in like yeah. our faces to the brand, to the name, to the flavor. I think for us, that's probably been key. I think if having dedicated shelving that's branded, if you can get that in, works really great as well. And I think for us and what we didn't focus on that I wish we'd focused on earlier was our story. I feel like we didn't think anybody cared. And I think we have a great story that's super authentic because it is like, this is where we yeah. came from. This is who we are. And we were very focused on like the hibiscus and we, and also, okay, my, like, mind you, we were relatively recent immigrants at the time. And then 
we'd have people come up to us and be like, so what's your story? And we're like, our story, drink the hibiscus. Like that's the, st- <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the story. That's a- so I'd be like on the fly, like making up some sort of brand story. Okay, this is early days, you guys. We've evolved, we've evolved. <laughs> but you're learning, right? You're getting an audience, right? The consumers are coming yeah. up and you get to find out what they care about. Exactly. What, what so you're in, like, okay, well, this is my mother and like yeah. I started noticing that people love that that people it's love that we're a mother daughter team yeah. yeah and then we're like we do all this work with small farmers it's they're like oh so you support small farmers and we're like yeah we actually do support small farmers <laughs> and then we talk a little bit over the manufacturing and then like slowly like through talking to people I think we started to realize the importance of the story and how talking about it like really helps build that emotional connection and then by the time we got to the point where you have to pitch on Dragon's Den, I felt like we had a really solid grasp of what the story is and how to frame it in a way that resonates with people. Yeah, that's what I wish I would have we would have clicked that that's really important and focused on a little bit. Early. But I think you got to learn the natural way, right? Like you got to find out what was important versus a lot yeah. of times it's almost forced, right? It's like, hey, what is yeah. our brand story coming? It comes to forged, you do surveys. Like yours is a very authentic way to do it which yeah. I think is a great way to do it because you know people care. Like I, when I first heard about your brand, it was on Dragon's Den. So you had gone through all of that and your store brand story was super dialed in. Yeah. I, as soon as I listened to that, I was like, well, I'm just going to try and hit Gina up on LinkedIn and see if she'll actually uh, respond to a message to see if she wants to come on the pod. <laughs> of course so I, like, I would you... respond. Like... <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, <laughs> you, you seemed like you knew what you're talking, like you knew Honestly, what you're talking about, but. <laughs> no, thank you. That, yeah. Like that means a lot because I feel like we didn't have a lot of time to prep for that. It was like from audition to them telling us you were going to go on the show it was like maybe seven, eight days. But I think what helped was that I had been like prepping and working on this for like months ahead of time, like not knowing, like just practicing pitching. So I honestly, I'm super pleased with how it turned out. I was super happy. And we had a lot of help. This was like by no mean like divine intervention that, that it came to <laughs> We had a lot of feedback. We had a lot of help, but I'm like really pleased the final product and how it turned out. So just for our non-Canadian listeners out there, Dragon's Den is the Canadian equivalent of Shark Tank, right? It was the original Shark Tank. It was the original. That's what I like to say. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it's embarrassing. I didn't know that. Even more impressive. So you went on Dragon's Den. Yes. Yeah. That our episode aired December of last year. Not wait. No. Not December of twenty. December twenty-one. Summer twenty-twenty. Yeah. Time flies. Great. So how's your distribution today in Canada? I remember I heard thousands of stores the last time I heard, but where are you guys at now? Not quite thousands of stores yet. It's not thousands of stores. (laughs) Working on it. But yeah, so I think our- Thousand stores. Yeah. I think our second big win was Loblaws, which which Mm. was really exciting. I actually won a pitch competition and the prize was you get to pitch to Loblaws. And I think it was a diversity event that was just wonderful. And there were a lot of other CPG founders there. And I think that's where they first came to hear about us. And then the multicultural buyer heard our story, really liked it, and then wanted to onboard our flavors of the Middle East line for their multicultural aisle. And that's, and fun fact, their first PO went out on the same day our Dragons Den episode aired. So as you can imagine, that was just like the most, one of the most insane days. It was absolutely insane. They, we were actually supposed to get our first PO much earlier, but there were issues with their system and it ended up getting delayed. And they're like, okay, your first PO is going to be December 16th. They're like, oh my God, that's literally our airing day. 
And this was our first time like managing their own systems and figure like it was their first big PO. So in the morning, my mom and I were literally wrapping pallets. We were done. We ran home, changed, and were late to our own viewing party. That, that <laughs> well, you had to ship products. Friend, <laughs> you had a package product is more important. Yeah. <laughs> that her best friend, um, it was truly a day that her best friend had for us. It's been great so far. We were in, you know, we have like in more stores now. And yeah, it's just been a great, it's been a great part. It's been a great partnership with Now, Loblaws. the big question about the Loblaws PO, did you fill the P- first PO in full? Oh, yeah. yeah. We were like, it wasn't so much that we were like making it. It was ready. We just didn't know when they were going to come pick it up and in yeah. what exact quantity. So we were like fine tuning the pallets. So, yeah, no, we were ready way ahead of time. <laughs> good, good. So when you've been working with these new retailers that you've been selling into, especially like the Whole Foods in Oakville, would you say his name was Reg, the buyer there? Yes, yes. Are they working with you to provide data in terms of how your items are selling, how you rank? Like, has that come at all into your sales story as you've been moving into the, the big leagues, right? Like getting into a Loblaws, getting into yeah. more stores. Does that come up at all? I think it depends. I feel like they're, I think they're like, if you ask, they'll give it to you, but kind of have to ask. Yeah. And I think with the bigger stores, like, They'll, they'll generally like give you a good idea. And then that's been really helpful to say, for example, when expanding into the U.S., we can say, hey, we were the top selling beverage during yeah, Ramadan right. and Adonis. So like you start and you're like, OK, every year, this is how much we've increased this. We've actually beat out Vimto this year. So it's been as we've mm-hmm. grown, it's really great to be able to take like pieces of data like that and pieces of the story to then say, hey, we have something that 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 works or has worked in the past. Yeah, that's a really common thing we see with the other brands when you're starting up, right? Like getting scrappy with your data, common yeah. theme, right? Because it's so valuable and the bigger yeah. retailers expect it, but buying the yeah. data is just, you can't afford it, right? It's super expensive. So it's very really expensive. getting creative about how you get the data, some of those key yeah. tidbits around your velocity, where you rank. So it's awesome that yeah. you're on top of that. And I think, I don't know, from what I've seen, I think if you're like a smaller brand and you ask really nicely. You gotta ask nicely. <laughs> exactly. You'd be nice. They'll right? take pity on you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Like, worst they case, know they we're just say P&G. no. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, we're not PNG. Like, it's fine. And these are relationships, right? That's something we always talk about too. When you're selling to these customers or retailers, you're in a relationship yeah. with, them, right? So Absolutely. You got to work on it. Like, give mm-hmm. and take. Cool. So I think go ahead, Colin. Yeah. So interested now. So you're doing your MBA. Yeah. You've been doing business for so many years, and now you're doing the MBA. What's it like coming from that direction? Like literally running your own business, being on Dragon's <laughs> Den, and then going to school. For the stuff. Yeah, aren't the students asking you? you this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so fun, this fun fact, we, our Dragon's Den MBA, like our Dragon's Den episode aired when I was in the middle of my first year of my MBA. And it was somehow by like divine intervention, our episode aired the second day of my winter break. So I was able to be home in Toronto for a solid month when that all happened. And I don't know how I would have survived if the timing had been any different, to be honest. But it's, I think I've wanted to do my MBA since I was a little girl. Like, I, it's like, yeah. I like, this was 15-year-old Gina's dream in Egypt when I was still in high school. I was just like, okay, I'm going to get my undergrad and then I'm going to get my MBA. Like, it was always the goal. And I just think building a network was really important to me. And I feel like as an immigrant, that's something that I really lacked in North America and in Canada. Like I started building it in Canada, but I wanted more of a network in the U.S. as well. So that for me has just been really valuable and really worthwhile. And yeah, it's been an amazing journey just from both a personal and professional development. It's been incredibly challenging, like no sugarcoating how difficult it is. But yeah, I wouldn't change it. It's been a great ride. Have you learned anything 
in any of your courses that you've applied to the business? I get you? asked that all the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, managerial accounting was really useful. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is not my answer. fourth. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for me, yeah, shout out to my professor, Elia. They forced us to do core accounting, which I really didn't like. And then I challenged myself to do managerial accounting. I just had the most wonderful professor. Both were great that I just find like some of the stuff were too small for, but some of it is very applicable. Like how do yeah. you set up yeah. a cost structure system and, and things like that it's were great, tangible. Great learnings. Yeah. But I think for me that the bigger learning was Jeff, definitely just the higher level strategic thinking for me, I think has really improved. I'm constantly being forced mm -hmm. to look at the business from a much long-term strategic perspective, which is very difficult to do when you're in the midst of it and you're constantly dealing with fires. So it's been great learning from that. And then also you're going through like hundreds of cases. So hopefully my decision-making skills have improved. That's the hope. <laughs> That's great. I do want to give one shout out to accounting. Yeah. I you. maintain, I took high school accounting, like it was an elective I could take. And I think that is like the most useful course, that high school accounting course of any course I've taken in my lifetime that. Yes. Uh, Colin I, knows, he knows so I, much about it. It's crazy. Yeah, I'll talk to everyone. I was like, just take an accounting course. It's yeah. like, you're going to use yes. it all the time. Yes. I hated it. It was a struggle, but I definitely see the value. So local farms in Egypt. So you're yes. importing there. How did you get connected with the farms? Have you gotten yes. visited the farms? So we, yes. Let's go a little bit into that story, side of the story. Yeah, I think for it's sure. really interesting, very important. So we stumbled into it. I can't say we had some like intention. grand vision yeah. of intention. When we were initially starting the business, my parents literally walked into a market in Aswan looking around for hibiscus. And they stumbled upon this guy who had worked with one or two small farmers and their wives, and they loved the quality. So that was pure coincidence how we got into it. And for the next harvest season, like we talked about what we wanted, what like what standards. And it's really the women that dry harvest and pick the hibiscus because we use whole flowers. So it's a very labor intensive process mm -hmm. to, I'll send you pictures, but to remove yeah. it from its like stem intact. And that's mm -hmm. what we wanted. We initially just started working with one or two very small farmers. So with a lot of these small farmers in that region, it's really the middlemen that make all the margin because they have the connections to, to people who are going to buy these quantities. So it's a lot of the smart, small, the, a lot of the time, the small farmers don't really get a fair cut. Like so the retailers. Exactly. Exactly. So we started working with just one or two. And then as we grew, we were like, okay, like we, we just started, it was more and more. And then last year we partnered with a wonderful lady who works with a local, she's a local NGO, she's on the ground. And for that harvest season, we were able to support 28 women and their families. So I think awesome. like, I was like, it was just incredibly rewarding. I'm like, okay, I do nothing else in my life. Like I did something, I made an impact with these 28 women and I'm really proud of that. And we really worked with them on just really improving the harvesting technique. So a lot of the times, like they take it to their homes, the hibiscus to their home and like process and pick and pack it there. So then it's just like a whole whack of mess. Like it's just, mm. it's not the quality you want. So we created like a communal processing facility and all the women came wow. to there and then we got the hibiscus there. So we were just able to much better control the quality. We paid them five times what they would normally make in that harvest season. Wow. And yeah, it was just, it's just really rewarding. And it's incredible. We, yeah, thank you. We're actually looking to expand into 
more products that are from the region. So this Ramadan, we're going to introduce Aswan dates, which is different from the Majul. It's like different from what you normally see, but it's like sweeter. So it's like a little bit chewier and we're going to do mint and we're going to do the dry carob pot. So like seeing what other products we can bring in that's from the region that's going to support them, not just for one harvest season, but as many as we can. Obviously, we're super small and the impact is tiny, but like you, you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just every, when you continue to sell into more stores, right, it's going to yes. make the impact even larger. Yes. And which also okay. ties to your story, right? Your story yes. at the beginning, like how you're building your brand. This is like a really strong part of that. Yeah. So. If we could all impact 28 20. families, then the world would be a much better place. So yes, that's, yeah, that, that's, that, a, that's a huge I impact. Just, I just remember, so you're, you're, have you visited? Yes, we go visit all the time. Yeah. And that harvest season, like after it ended, my mom and my dad went, I was in school, I couldn't go. And they met up with all the women. They met up with the lead person. And my mom was just telling me like the stories they were telling her. Like they were like, we made friends here. It just had such an, and my, I just remember bawling on the phone with yeah. my mom. I was just like, <laughs> it was just super, super emotional. Yeah, it was a really emotional moment. I feel it like sometimes you... when I talk about it, I'm like, oh my God, am I going to start crying again? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Fix it in post, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> And it also keeps you motivated too, right? To yeah. keep selling and yeah. building a business, sustainable business that's having an impact. And you could see the impact. Is yeah, very much. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gina, for coming on the show. Yeah. It's been a great conversation. We've learned a lot. It's a very inspiring story. Thank really great you. story. I guess one shout out to uh, so Loblaws, Whole Foods, yes. any other retailers that our listeners can buy or can they buy it online? Yes, they, definitely buy it online. Get it off Amazon. I'll shout you. Can, there's a store Ooh. locator on our website, but Healthy Planet, Whole Foods, Loblaws, Superstores, Adonis, Nature's Emporium. And I don't know if I should say this. I won't jinx it, but like fingers crossed, Longo's coming soon. So nice. yeah. Let's go, Longo's. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, guys, Longo's, I already said it on the podcast. You like, we're in the process of getting, so I think we're almost there, but like, I, it's done on the podcast that they have to. It's got to happen now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No regaining now. Thank you so much, Gina. Thanks for actually answering my LinkedIn message. I know of you think course. it's not a big deal, but I really appreciate that. Of course. And thank you so much for her, for having me. This was so much fun yeah. and a very nice break from our schoolwork. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one last question. Sorry, I know we're dragging here, but Expo West, are you going to Expo West? Do you know of Expo West? I, I do know of Expo West. The timing of that is sitting right before Ramadan, which is our absolute most insane reason. I don't feel uh, like we're quite ready to go to Expo West as a brand. Like, I don't know. If I had more time, I would go as like Gina, the individual. But yeah. yeah. I will. Maybe if the stars align, but as of right now, no. All right. Well, let us know if the stars align and we'd yes. love to meet up with you for there. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you Thanks, so Gina. much, Gina. Thank you so much. Thanks for having Thanks. me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Good luck in finals. Thanks so much. Bye, guys.